Musical Theater Writer Guy is recorded as a YouTube channel series on Muncie Lenape and Canarsie Lands. The audio from each episode is also released here in podcast form. To watch or to learn more, please find us on YouTube or through my website at michaelraddy.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the new interview series uh, for the YouTube channel, which I'm calling Writer Real Talk or something like that. I don't know, it's a working title for the moment, in which I interview writers and other originating artists about their experiences in creating musical theater. So each interview will likely have a theme or a topic that we discuss along the way, but really, I don't know, we're building this plane as we fly it. Uh, as my coaches, Susan Blackwell and Laura Camion like to say, it's all an experiment. So, here we are. But without further ado, let me uh, introduce our first guest here today. Uh, Aaron and I met nine years ago, question mark? Bartending at uh, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which was an experience. That was very much an experience. But we became fast friends because Aaron is one of the most delightful humans on the planet. And we nerded out about all sorts of things, including musical theater writing and also vocal things, especially listening to that show. There's a lot of craziness in that show, if anyone recalls. And we just had a lot of fun. We, we got along so well, and we've maintained our relationship over the years and became actually even closer during the pandemic. And he is one of my dearest, dearest friends. So everyone, please welcome Aaron Michael Kruger. Hey, Aaron. Hey, thank so, you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here and for being the first. You are a brave soul. <laughs> a very brave soul. Trusting me. Potentially okay. foolish. Um, but first and foremost, for the audience, could you tell us a little bit about who you are? Um, maybe how you identify as an artist, what you do in your life and career, and uh, maybe even toss in... Uh, what work of yours people may have seen or heard at some point? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, so my name is Aaron Michael Kruger. Um, I, I compose, uh, I write lyrics, I write librettos, whatever it is that I kind of need to do in the moment. I kind of just, I write a lot. Um, and was a dancer for a while, uh, was a performer for a hot second. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I have written some shows that have been in festivals around the city. I have a musical called Big Dawn um, that's been in like, three different festivals and won some awards, um, as well as like a musical called Super that I uh, was a superhero musical um, and won an award in Fringe for uh, here in New York. And there's another one out there, right? That people may have seen. Um, so there's a show called Grudgical that uh, I wrote with my roommate, uh, Huge Mealy, uh, that is a, a, a horror parody musical of the, the classic film The Grudge and the Juon series, uh, if you're familiar with Japanese horror. Love it. Love it so much. So, so you do a lot of different things, yeah. wear a lot of different hats. Um, that, that's a pretty broad experience, too. And across several like festival and other opportunities in the city, which must uh, be a unique experience. You've done so many of them. 
Yeah, and uh, I can say they are all very different, and even even doing the same festival, uh, very different experiences. Yeah, I, I know that's not today's topic that we no. decided on, but we may have to come <laughs> back around and talk about it because yeah, uh, I love it. Um, cool. Well, thank you and welcome, and also. Uh, I, I'm excited to chat with you specifically today because the two of us love to talk. Boy, do we love to talk. How many hours have we stayed on Zoom chatting for? I don't know. I lost count. I mean, early in the pandemic, it was like till, what, 4 a.m. we might be chatting? Usually, yeah. But time meant nothing. So. Time meant nothing, never would again. <laughs> anyway, we have survived this far, so good for us. Yeah. Um, before we dive into the topic, though, I've got some general questions for you, just so we can get to know yeah. you a little bit better. All right, you ready? Sure. How many are there? There are six. Here we go. Okay. What musical theater writer's work do you gravitate toward the most? They do not necessarily have to be your favorite, but but is there a writer out there whose work you constantly find yourself listening to or wanting to hear more? Ooh, um, I feel like the easy one that anyone could say is Sondheim. Um, but I guess kind of like a little more off the side. Um, I will listen to go see anything that Tom Kitt does. Um, Tom Kitt is kind of like the the uh, the style of music that kind of like speaks to me the most, I would say. Ooh, interesting. I want to hear more about that. So Tom Kitt, who's brilliant. I, I, yeah. I love the stuff that he does, um, especially those orchestrations or uh, vocal arrangements for American Idiot. So good. So good. But I'll add the orchestrations too were phenomenal. I, I know less yes. about the orchestrations of that show. I've yeah, not really played it at all. Mm -hmm. um, but out of curiosity, why Tom Kitt? There, there are plenty of people who write in similar styles. It, mm -hmm. What is it about his sound that uh, makes you want to come back for more? Um, I, for me at least, so um, I'm I'm someone who grew up listening to a lot of like pop rock music and especially like like. 2000s pop punk is like kind of where my soul sits as a human being um <laughs> and i really love as well as like i i originally um used to want to score films and so i listened to a lot of like film scores and pop punk music and um i think what tom kitt does so brilliantly is marry the two of those things and so it takes um a lot of like pop rock music and um and just rock feels and is able to like turn them into something that almost feels like it is a movie score in the way that he orchestrates it, things like that. That's uh, It's kind of like a, he writes in like a lovely marriage of the two. Yeah, I've never really thought about it that way, but that's very true. He's phenomenal at taking that style and weaving a big through line story. Mm -hmm. Ah! That's really interesting. I'm going to ponder that one. <laughs> hmm. All right, here's question number two. You ready? Yeah. What have you seen as your biggest challenge thus far in your career? And I know you do a lot of different things 
career-wise? So mm-hmm. it can be in any facet, but is there a challenge that immediately sticks out to you in your mind? Um, hmm. I mean, uh, this kind of goes into what we were going to talk about today, but it's writing different styles. Um, and like, I, I find while that is, uh, it's rewarding and fun, but like really having to like sit down and study like style has been like one of the biggest challenges because there are a lot of intricacies in order to like get something sounding and feeling correct, even if you know that it's not correct, like I'm trying to like find those, um, it's like learning a new vocabulary each time you're, you're going through a different, um, time period or style. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And to clarify for our audience, is it musically you're talking about, lyrically, both? Is it libretto as well? I would say both, absolutely musically and lyrically. It's uh, There's certain vernaculars that you get to use lyrically mm-hmm. in, in some things and like other things that if you, um, if you follow like English grammar too closely, it will not fit within the musical style. Uh, and you have to literally change uh, the way that you would speak or the way that your characters would speak based on the musical style. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to dive into this. This is going to be good. Really good. <laughs> All right. Here's the question. Uh, yeah. What have you seen as uh, either your greatest success so far or the, the thing in your career that you're most proud of so far? Um, I would... Honestly, I not that people don't need like awards to to legitimize them in this career. Like, absolutely, that is not important. But um, I will say, um, in in Fringe, actually, and it's not even like it's super the superhero musical that I wrote. Um, winning um, outstanding uh, music and lyrics for for that show, I think, was one of the biggest. Um, accomplishments, I feel like, and a lot of that just has to do with the fact that we were up against a whole lot of different shows. We got Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of people who didn't like the show, but a lot of people who really did like the show. Um, we got some not so great reviews, um, by some people who had very strong biases, but it was a, uh, an accomplishment because it was like, oh, okay. So like, even if it's something that doesn't speak to everyone clearly, this is something that still does ring true with a lot of people, like speak to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was a, actually, and I was with you the night that I found out that we won, uh, we were like sitting in a bar and like, I, it was um, either you or Natalia, if you like pulled it up on your phone, it was like, uh, wait, what? Um, Where were we? We were, um, we had been uh, rehearsing for Cabaret that Natalia was getting ready to do. That's right. That's right. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Yes, 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 mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't pull that up. Natalia must have pulled that up. Yeah. And so that, that is probably the, the biggest one, just because it was like, um, I had done so much on that show as well. Um, yeah. I had like ended up directing the show, which I didn't want to have to do, but I <laughs> right. did. And it was, a whole lot of different things it's like went into that experience that I was just drained and exhausted from and and then something uh was recognized for it so that was nice 
Yeah, yeah. And I really like the way that you you framed it around the idea of it, it rang with people, like it resonated with some people. And maybe it didn't mm -hmm. resonate with everyone, but the fact that it did something you put out there uh, was was enjoyed to the core by a group of humans is yeah. pretty damn great. <laughs> It's, it's a nice feeling being like, okay, so like someone, I, I created this thing and someone likes it. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be their favorite thing. They just found some sort of artistic merit in it that made them feel. Not not to mention Susan Blackwell again, but my people's favorite thing. Yeah, it, it's yeah. true. It's true. As mm -hmm. long as it resonates with someone, like, mm -hmm. this is worth putting out there in the world. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That was a good answer, my friend. Okay. Number four. I, oh, I do oh. not know these questions beforehand. I oh, no. Wanna... <laughs> I came there and no idea. No, no, no. Future guests will have a slight heads no. up. But, uh... Oh, no. I, I like not having a heads up. I think it's great because I would think about these questions far too much and try to formulate something. So, so yeah. like, I would do the same thing. I'd be like, oh, I must script an answer. Uh huh. We don't need that. Yeah. Uh, so here's the fourth question. Of your full pieces, so your full-length musicals, or if you've written other things that you consider full-length full pieces as well, uh, which one is your favorite or gives you personally the most pride? Um, I, I would say uh, Musical Better Wrote New Dawn. It's probably like, it, it's my baby. It's the first one that I wrote. Um, did a, a workshop of it in college. The show is basically unrecognizable from them as well like as things happen with we that they evolve over, you know uh, you learn as you write you're like ah this is why i don't do these things and oh i could do this that would be so much uh more powerful um but yeah i would say that show um a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's just very personal um yeah. even with, without being like my own personal story at all um it, because if not, um, there are just a lot of aspects of it that are drawn from my personal experiences and mm -hmm. down to like, there are quotes in the show that are literally uh, like lines that are quotes that people have said in my life around me. Um, oh, that I did not know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. No, even some of like the jokes in there um, are completely unintentional things that people said to me at some point in time in my life. And I was like, oh marking that one down i'm going to use that later and use those things like in the show which is um which is nice also like it um it deals with mental health and things like that which is another thing that i really uh like to bring to light and start a conversation about yeah which is very important uh i don't think we talked about it enough especially in this industry yeah um I don't know if you saw on, on my personal Instagram account today, uh, but I uh, saw a post that someone had put on their story, and I put it on my story as well, talking about a, a specific type of anxiety disorder that we feel in this theater industry and why. Mm -hmm. I think it was geared more toward performers, but I think, I think it definitely um, affects anyone in this industry, mm -hmm. just the way that it's built and what we have to do in order to maintain our mental health in a work environment that can sometimes be kind of toxic. Oh, absolutely. It can be. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an important thing for us to talk about, like not just like 
globally, but like specifically in the theater community, it's there's um, a lot of uh, emphasis. I was actually just having a conversation about that uh, with a friend recently. Um, is that there's a lot of emphasis on the competition and on the like trying to beat out other people for like a role or for an opportunity or for this and that. And it's like we shouldn't have to be competing. We should we should be allowed to do this and celebrate each other. Because there is enough room for everyone to be creating art. Oh, wait, say that again. There is enough room for everyone to be creating art. Oh, Um, yes. So we don't need to be competing or like putting other people down for for the art they're creating. Right. Oh, my God. Yes. You know I feel that's my core. I mean, it's the basis of the thing I'm building. So, yeah, you know, there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this whole idea of competition or uh, mine has to be better than yours, or mm-hmm. if you have it, then I can't, like a zero sum mentality. It's just awful. <laughs> and also not true. Like, yeah, that's not actually the way that the industry works, it's just the way we view it for some reason. I will say, and this is, I'm not naming anything, but I think a lot of it, like you're taught these things too, um, is that there are, um, I, I, I really wish a lot of theater programs would get away from the competitive nature of things yeah, and really um, go more towards like the inclusivity and uh, more opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And of course, it, it is systemic in certain ways as well. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, an actor goes to an audition, right? So many of those people will be called back, and so many of those people, one, will get that role. You know, that is definitely, I mean, uh, it doesn't mean too many, knowing that mm-hmm. you have, you're going in for a lot of opportunities, and ultimately, at the end of the day, one person's going to get it. I'm sure it's it's the same thing for things like festivals, right? A lot yeah. of people buy these festivals, mm-hmm. but only I, I don't know how many Fringe had at the time that you were doing Fringe, but there there's only X number that make yeah. it in. Mm-hmm. So that means someone's keeping gates. Yeah, and even with that too, like I will say, so I've done a bunch of festivals in the city, but I not done a lot of festivals as well like i i think that's worth mentioning like i um that is exactly it like there are only so many shows that they let into these things often and so not getting into a festival is nothing about your work and like i've submitted i submitted something one year didn't get in and then submitted it another year and did um i've submitted a show to one festival the same year didn't get in and then to another festival and it did get into that festival so like it it is that that kind of competitiveness is built into the industry unfortunately but i think that is also an example of you know maybe it wasn't right here but it is right here like it there is room for opportunities absolutely yeah and could we use more opportunities always but and i think uh People shouldn't also discount what they can bring to the table. Like if an opportunity is not there, creating your own or and not even necessarily doing that with yourself, but getting a bunch of people and creating your own uh, oh, yeah. is totally valid. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of people look down on things at like vanity projects. I don't think that exists. I don't think there's such a thing as a vanity project. Yeah. I think you're just making art and you were the your your own impetus for it. Yeah. I mean, I if you don't mind me plugging someone, um no, no. I have a, a wonderful friend named April and they have a Twitch channel where they will once a month put up an entire musical. And it is, um, and they create opportunities for like all of their performer friends to like come in and not even always performers, people who write, people who are just singers, um, who like necessarily don't act or anything like that, um, to come in and perform something just for like one night. And it's just fun. And we're just hanging out in their apartment and things like that are, I, I wish there was more of that. Um, because yeah, it's because it's Twitch, which means wonderful. that there's an audience for it, right? People watch mm-hmm. this, they tune in. Yeah. Like, and I, so, I will say, it. yeah, they are so much fun. Uh, and in, in that, like, it's even, uh, we, we do this without uh, rehearsing anything. We, like, each get, like, the script ourselves and we score ourselves. And we, like, spend, like, the week or two going up into this, uh, learning the show. And like sitting there learning our parts through the entire, I know we, um, we did a, a certain show from Oz, not to, um, I don't know if, uh, things will copyright, whatever, but, um, did, did a show and like got this score and we were just singing ensemble parts on so much music because there's so much ensemble music and it's wonderfully shocking getting in. And everyone knowing their parts and just being able to throw things together on the fly as you're singing it. And it's like, yeah. oh, this is so cool where like yeah. everyone just did it. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I mean, tangentially related to this when we get back. But yeah. uh, I just did once up at uh, the Bristol Valley Theater. I was the musical mm-hmm. director and I was also Amen, which is very fun. I had a blast. Yeah. Uh, but like once it's a gigantic show to do in an eight-day rehearsal process and a three-day tech, like yeah. oh, it's a lot to do. So we had mm-hmm. asked people to come knowing their material. And let me tell you, on day one, for that six-hour music rehearsal, when we started with falling slowly and people just knew their parts and they played it and they sang it, I was like, oh, this is this is gold right here. I mean, we weren't doing so. Oh. We were doing falling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you I got was, me. You got yeah. to that before I did. Get out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, it is. It's magic when people know their stuff, and then you get to shape it from there. And I yeah. think people, you know, are often stuck in that mindset of, well, if there's not like a full rehearsal process for this thing, I couldn't possibly X, Y, or Z. And uh, I think. We- we can prove in professional settings and non-professional settings. That's just not true. Yeah, you can throw something together and it is equally as valid. It is does not diminish the value of it any and can honestly oftentimes sound just as good um, as like a, a professional show where you have like a, a two-month rehearsal process. It's... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, I think we took a turn here. Um, not, not a bad turn at all. Uh, yeah. I'm glad to have this conversation. Um, yeah. I do just want to briefly come back to that idea of, uh, like, there's enough for everyone. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am starting a an online community. Actually, it's already up and running. It, it's in testing phase. It will be public very soon. Or by the time you're watching this video, I'm not sure which. <laughs> uh, called the Musical Theater Writing Collective. It's an online community for musical theater writers because we don't really have one. And so I'm building it, I'm trying to fill that that niche. But the idea is to bring people in so we have a space to gather, to learn, to chat, and to uplift each other. There are things like our every other week lab where people can bring in things they're working on, sign up for a slot, and present for feedback. But we follow a feedback structure that's very much centered on the artists and what they're trying to do, leaving the competition, the ego at the door. So I very much am starting this because of this belief that I think there's enough for everyone and what we're all bringing to the table is valid it's not a zero-sum game uh to use another cliche a rising tide lifts all ships you know i i think that that is just so important so it is near and dear to my heart that philosophy so thank you for for even mentioning that aaron i appreciate it oh yeah absolutely right Two more questions. These should probably be shorter answers, but who's to say? I don't know. You and I can talk for years. Do you mind if I turn off the fan really quick? Sorry. No. I have a fan right here. It's getting a little chilly. I'm jealous. Over here, I've got a fan. Trying not to get get the fan noise in the mic, so it's in a spot that's not terribly effective. Mm -hmm. It's hot. Y'all, I love New York, but it's hot. hot. Okay, here's question number five. Do you have a favorite song you've written? Ooh, um... I know, it's a mean question to ask for a writer. My apologies. Um... Or a song moment. I, it doesn't have to be a full song. Um, I... I have a... Okay. I have, like, probably, like, a favorite song moment. Um, and then, like, a favorite song proper that I don't think are the same thing. I'll allow it. Okay. Sorry. Um, so, um, there's, uh, sorry, just loopholes in the question. Um, so, song moment, there's uh, a song that I, I wrote uh, called Fly that's in Super. Um, and before it goes into the chorus the final time, um, there's a two four measure yeah. that like just suspends it just long enough where it's like a uh and then they go in. Um I like out of the bridge into this like final like two times to the chorus, um, where they're just like screaming. Uh no one's screaming, they're just like healthily mixing. But um please healthily yeah, mix. Healthy mix. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I think that's like a favorite song moment just because like the, the buildup is nice. And then I also like the like slight suspension of like, okay, I think it's going to come like the take a running leap and then we'll, and then like a nice like breath before like it goes into that. Uh, I can attest to this moment, y'all. This is a good <laughs> moment. I like this I, moment a lot. I, I just like it because it is like the 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 deep breath that you take before like jumping off the precipice. Like it yeah. is it is that feeling. Oof. Um, Oof. And then uh, a favorite song. Um, I have uh, a show that I've been working on. Uh, that's uh, a Hans Christian Andersen show. Um, and there's this duet that happens uh, closer to the end of the show called "Stay." Um, I think I'd have to say that is probably my favorite song. Um, 
that I've written. I don't think I've and, read it. Have I? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a, a nice duet. Um, it's a solo for most of it, but it becomes a duet about two thirds of the way through. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think it hit at a, like writing it hit at a, an important time in my life. And then like that song is kind of like been there through a couple of very key moments of my life that have um, really uh, been difficult to kind of get through at times. But um, it is a song that has definitely helped with that. With the getting through, and kind of like a nice place to like focus those emotions. Um, yeah. It's kind of that song. Yeah, that's amazing that you can. Well, first of all, that you have a song that you've written that has done that work for you. Um, I love that, and I love hearing writers talk about those moments. Uh, I, I don't know that I've experienced that personally, but uh, I've heard many writers talk about it. And that just, yeah, it sounds like an absolute gem of an experience and uh, a piece of art to have. Yeah, I mean, if you, I think that the cool thing is that a lot of people, when they're like in kind of like those very intense emotional moments, um, whether people realize it or not, I think a lot of people do turn to art and specifically music like think of any time you feel just overwhelmed and you like turn on a song to kind of like process and um match what you're feeling or um because i think it's something that like, makes us feel understood because if you find a, a song that matches what you're feeling it's um yeah. It, yeah. you're not alone in your feeling um but i think there's something really cool about being able to write that and like write that moment um, yourself and then being able to like put it out there into the world um, and then being able to have it like well received as well um, is something that is like, okay, cool. Then I, my feeling is not like a solitary feeling. It is uh, this feeling that I was feeling when I was going through writing this song, creating this piece of art is something that is universally felt. Yeah, the shared experience and uh, the, the way that music can connect us like that. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's a good answer, Aaron. It's a very good answer. Also, I don't think I've heard that song that I want to. Oh, well, it, uh, <laughs> but, it's just on the YouTube and the Instagram. Um, right. Yeah. And I will find yeah. it. Search on shit arm. Oh, I guess I just decided that we're swearing on this energy. Oh, noted. Okay, cool. Great. Okay, we will. Right. Uh, so when the the when the audio is part of the podcast, it will get the little explicit rating on iTunes. Thank you, Apple. Um, that's fun. That actually makes me feel cool. I'm not cool, <laughs> but it makes me feel cool. Um, it's so edgy. Uh, awesome. And then last question before we dive into our actual topic at hand. <laughs> yeah. Is there uh, a show that made uh, a big impression on you as a kid? Whether that's something that you saw, heard, or a part of, something that made an impression on you in a way that may have, I don't know, pulled you toward this career? Um. As a kid, I think kind of discount some of the, in a good way, we'll discount some of the shows that I would have said specifically. So the way that you framed this, thank you. 
Um, so uh, I think as a kid, I when I was a small, small child, so not that this isn't important to really anything, but um, so I was a very, uh, very sick child when I was like a baby and my mom like used to sing um, some musical theater to me. Um, she, I was in the hospital in like an oxygen tent and she would sing Bring Him Home. Um, oh and then, yeah, I know. Ouch. Very, just very dramatic. I, I, I live a very dramatic existence. Um, and then uh, my mom would sing like, not while I'm around, like, put all me to the bed. Breaking songs, all the ones that yeah. just, you know, make me want so, to cry in the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, which says a lot about me as a human being. But um, <laughs> I, uh, he, my mom had a, an Andrew Lloyd Webber compilation CD growing up. Um, she listened to a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber and a lot of Barbra Streisand. And uh, I think the first thing that like really, um, it terrified me, um, I knew to run and hide at a young age um, was the opening chord of the song Phantom of the Opera um, was something that like moved me in a way that I was terrified. Um, the, and the big booming D minor, right? The, the, uh, the big booming like or pipe organ there, like yes. or pipe organ patch there that they're using. It, yeah, absolutely. Um, was like this was wonderful and terrifying and like the chromatic down. Um, it uh, and then like kind of as I got older and like stopped being afraid of the sound of that. Um, I, I'm I'm talking like when I was like six years old. I remember like hiding when I heard this, um, as I got older, I would just sit and listen to it and, um, kind of like grew to really enjoy that sound and like enjoyed the, um, it, this goes back to kind of like fusion of things, the, the, uh, fusion of like eighties rock with like a pipe organ with like this, like very like cathedral sounding thing. And like things that like normally don't put together together. Um, I thought it was really, really cool. And, I think kind of like fed into my like desire as like a kid wanting to, I wanted to uh, score films before I um, knew that people did write musical theater. Um, and I think that that song itself is what kind of really fueled that because it was like the power that music had to like yeah. incite something so strong in me. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this for, for two big reasons. Number one, I was also kind of obsessed with the Phantom of the Opera opening as a kid, um, yeah. to the point where like I watched every iteration of Phantom of the Opera, everything that I could get my hands on as a kid, and I ended up playing that, <laughs> my poor piano teacher, I ended up playing that that opening song, uh, well, no, the, the song Phantom of the Opera, I ended up playing that for a piano recital at one point. Yeah. Um, Actually, also one of my worst uh, worst piano recitals. That's neither here nor there. Um, so I love it for that reason. But also this idea of you uh, leaning in to those darker things. Like, I know you. I, I, I know yeah. that you have an enjoyment of the macabre. And yeah. I love that that kind of started that early for you. Oh, yeah. Um, I was terrified of a lot of things as a child. And my older sister did nothing to help that. And then it just kind of became like a way of life and like, oh, okay, scared, scary. Oh, you can like, there's a lot of other things that are hidden within here that is super cool to explore. Yeah. Oh, I love that. This is great. This is great. Yeah. I mean, 
do we need a main topic? We could just do this for you. <laughs> but we, we should. We should chat about okay. this because I'm yeah, very yeah. interested to hear hear your thoughts. So if you didn't hear from before, friends, the main topic for today is writing in styles that are outside of your comfort zone or what you do naturally, question mark? I don't know. We didn't really frame it with specific wording. But I, I know that both of us have done this. And I'm oh, yeah. sure that we both have a lot of thoughts, but I'm very curious to hear your thoughts because I'm going to preface this all with saying that I personally think that Aaron is phenomenal at this, especially having just had you in the first cohort of the collective course. You so successfully wrote in so many different styles to the point where this was a constant praise point from the class to you. It's just how good you are at like chameleoning, not a word, but it is now, yourself yeah. into these different styles. And I have to agree. Um, and just as a side of uh, Aaron was in the, the course as a composer specifically. So we were talking about the music side of things. But um, I know you've written those on styles. I think you're brilliant at it. But I also know that it's not easy. First of all, thank you. Um, like, really, thank you. I. Um a lot of it i i feel like i am um i i think the heart one of the hardest things to deal with in that is just feeling like a fraud um and kind of like battling that feeling of like imposter syndrome that that comes about when you're what? doing what? what syndrome never heard of her what yeah right um but thank you uh yeah no the the class was a whole lot of fun one of this was not a challenge you never gave us this but like doing this like cohort the first time around, every single time I got paired up with someone, it was writing a very different style of song. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that was a challenge that I placed on myself as well, was like, I, I need to write something different. I need it to be stylistically different than something else. Um, because I, I'm someone who believes that like, uh, the, the music should be informed by the story and not the other way around. Um, I think there are a lot of people who get stuck in this is the way that my writing sounds. And so everything is going to sound like this yeah. Um, yeah. because it's, it's comfortable and which is, which is fair. I, I, I think everyone should have a comfort zone that they return to and that they're able to like feel nice about. But I, I think writing, we have so many different styles of music and, and then on top of that, um, like I, just was saying before, like ways that you can like combine those styles um, to create new like fusions of things. I don't know. I, I yeah, writing in different styles, I find to be a very fun challenge um, that I I don't think I'm the best at all the time. But well, um, who could be the best all the time? Yeah, true, true. That's um, an impossible but, standard. But I do strive to to be as good as possible about that. I've done everything from like, um, so like I uh, grew up listening to a lot. Of, so obviously some Andrew Lloyd Webber and Barbra Streisand and that, uh, and Celine Dion was a good one too. Um, yes. And then uh, when I really got to like start picking my own music, um, I did listen to a lot of movie scores um, Ooh, and okay. instrumental music. Um, and then I started listening to a lot of like pop punk music as well. Um, back when it was being released, not when it's like kind of come back into style. Um, yeah. 
So like I was listening to like Simple Plan and Good Charlotte and like My Chemical Romance and like those things were coming out. The good, the good old days. The, the good old days. Uh, so, um, and then from there it was, so like when I started writing music, I was writing music actually for like my concert band and for our marching band. And so I was writing um, instrumental music and then that kind of slowly led into like, okay, cool but I want to try writing this pop rock music as well and like pop punk music. And so then it was um, sitting down and listening to how do you, um, how do you find the things that um, like are in common between the two of them? Yeah. Um, I think like switch puts on fire was my, was my like lead in point. Um, okay. If we're familiar with switch foot or on fire, um, it's a beautiful song. It's wonderful. Um, I can't remember what year it came out, but um, was a very nice because it's uh, this. It starts off with this really cool piano lick at the beginning, um, and it's this beautiful ballad um, that this like punk band did. Um, and then, like, also from there, uh, "Simple Plans Untitled" was another one that then it was like, okay, cool. So this is how you take these um concert band like orchestral sounds and apply them to pop rock music and so it's like the back and forth between there um and then i went to school uh for music and theater and the program that i went to was very much centered on classical music and so it was studying music that way and then when you learn how to break down music that way you then can like sit there and do that to all types of music and figure out what makes certain things tick like you, you dissect it you figure out like oh 80s music has this kind of beat underneath it you use this kind of um like timbre for things like uh, my instrumentation should be sitting here as opposed to here and um yeah i i think at first when doing it you, you start off kind of almost parodying it and parod parodying it sorry that's hard to say um but trying to um but yeah you're you're kind of like um doing it in a oh am i like doing this correctly i don't know you kind of make fun of it first to um figure out what parts of it work and then you say oh now i can like sincerely write this yeah 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 you just dropped a lot that i want to mine through that was a whole lot (laughs) Um, no it's good it's good i've got thoughts and questions um quick side note before diving into that just uh again for the audience here the the challenges that that aaron was talking about in the course so the the way the course is set up there are six song challenges and people get paired up for uh the different collaborations throughout the course but this cohort of human beings is filled with overachievers and they all kept setting like these separate personal side goals for themselves and to to hear that you like specifically were setting um genre goals for yourself is really really interesting um because i specifically want to come back to to one of the songs from from class that i i know was on the tougher side for you (laughs) You're like, I know which one. Okay. I'm pretty sure I know which one. But <laughs> well, before we do that, I, would, I just want to bring up a couple points here. So first and foremost, the fact that you, as a young person, were listening to these different types of music and going through the process of analyzing what makes this style sound like this, 
I, I don't think most people do that. I could be wrong here, but I don't think that that's something that most people are naturally thinking about. Um, I'm curious, was there something prompt you to do that or was it just your ear being curious? Yeah, so um, Rick, my like quick thing for this, um, my introduction to like learning to read music and play music, um, I was completely self-taught. Um, so and okay. yeah, so um, my older sister got a recorder uh, when she was in like third grade or something like that, and I was just like, I want one of these. I want to play music. So my parents gave me a recorder, um, but but like it had just like a fingering chart in it. And my older sister took piano lessons, and so um, she was the one who like really like was learning music and learning how to do music in that and. I did not do that. Um, instead, I had to like, I looked at like, I remember looking at the fingering chart for the recorder and saying, oh, okay, so this note has a name. Okay, cool. And this note has a name and this note name means this and like learning all of these fingerings. Um, and then being able to look at a like beginner, uh, beginner piano book and say, okay, now cool, I can play this because I know what fingerings were all of these different uh notes there are and then learned how to read music that way um so then and i was like in like first grade teaching myself this it was super weird no that's um, freaking awesome is what that is and so cool i don't think i i know anyone else who has started from an experience like that where they started on an instrument other than piano to read music and then go eventually to piano. And I don't know when you start playing music, yeah. but that's, oh, tell me more. It, well, so then, um, and yeah, so then learning the piano became uh, very similar. And I, I still do not call myself a pianist because I know so many people who are far better than me. I can play the piano. I, I also was someone who- um, Well, if you can play the piano, but, aren't you a pianist? But you, I know, I know, it's imposter syndrome. It's, it's, a, it's a whole thing, but- um, but yeah, no, so I um, then went and took that and I was like, okay, cool. I can, I can um, play music like this. But then I was like, okay, cool. I, I don't have the sheet music for a song. Let me try to figure out how to play this song. And so I then reverse engineered everything yes. and learned how to transcribe music. And then from learning how to transcribe music, I was like, oh, so I can make this up on my own. And then would make up and start writing music. I was probably like, third-ish grade, third or fourth grade, when I started writing music, um, I just like went on uh, Microsoft Word and created staffs uh, for myself. So then I had my own staff paper um, and would write music that way then. And then um, I finally got into band, uh, was playing the trumpet, eventually switched to the tuba, um, was in like choir and show choir and all these different things. Uh, and then I, majored in music for my freshman year of college and it was um i i also played the piano we had to take keyboarding classes you as you do in college and my professor was like do you just want to take piano lessons and i unfortunately didn't have time it's one of my biggest regrets in life was uh in college when like my keyboarding teacher was like hey you're better than everyone in class do you just want to like pick up a major in this or like a minor in playing the piano? Because like we could do that. We could design this for you. And I didn't. Um, hey, it's never too late. I know. Um, but so uh, 
yeah, that is kind of where I learned music. And then from learning music that way, then I, that's how I learned how to like dissect music was from an early age being like, okay, cool. This is how I take apart these things. Now, if I want to write something in this style, like this does like this and this rhythm is kind of like this. So then, and it was, um, yeah, all of these things that you like kind of do when you are get to college and that, or like in high school when you're taking like music theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was kind of teaching myself at a young age. So then by the time I got to that, um, I was able to like kind of dig deeper than like my peers were because it was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I already know this, but like what is making me feel this emotionally here in this piece? So like, what is this chord? Why is this chord leading to this and like have this effect on um, this makes so much sense, Aaron. So much sense. Just knowing you. I mean, the fact that so you you've been an outside in musician from the very beginning, which is first of all so freaking cool. Because I don't know a lot of people who who like fully experienced all of of learning to play an instrument, of learning to read music, of learning to dissect music in that way. But also, like, I'm fascinated by this because I am the exact opposite. Like, I started the Yamaha program, so I was starting mm-hmm. with, like, light instrumentation, learning counting and, and reading sheet music first and translating that to the piano. Piano was my first instrument, you know, and kind of, like, had to learn what you were doing as a kid <laughs> as I went along, especially when I was, like, in my teenage years and then even more so into college and, and beyond. But... It's fascinating to hear a story that is the reverse of everything I know and experienced. Wow. I wonder how many other people there are out there who, who have truly gone through that type of, of music learning experience. But I think it's an important thing to bring up there is that like it, it just goes to show that there's no one way to, to learn these things. There's right. no one way to learn how to write or to learn how to be a, a good writer. Um, and you can approach these things from so many different angles and get so many cool perspectives that way. Um, because I know like there are things, even during like the, the cohort, there were things that you would bring up that I'm like, huh, I didn't think about that that way. Hmm. That's cool. I should probably reconsider the way that I'm addressing. And even actually the, the song that uh, you did with Kate, um, Oh, the, uh, the, the pop punk yeah, song? The pop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was one that I was like, huh, I didn't think about writing pop punk a couple of these ways. Like, you did a couple of things in there that I was like, huh, I didn't think about this. I would benefit from learning to do that. Um, yeah. Ha. Yeah, this is, you see, this is why I just freaking love community and listening to people talk about their process and what they're doing, or their thoughts on things, because there's always something or a million things that you're not thinking. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Man, I just want to like, I want to know what your brain does. I want to know what your brain hears. <laughs> so like, I'm not going to stalk you or like dissect your brain or anything, but... Uh, if you could just like constantly tell me what you're thinking, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, I also want to jump back to something else that you had talked about uh, in, in your initial spiel there. Um, you you said that you were listening to movie scores as a kid. Yeah. 
I'm curious, did you gravitate toward any specific scores or genres? Because I didn't do a lot of that as a kid, but I do remember, like, I listened to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack a oh, lot wow. as a kid. But other than that, I never really did that. So, so did you, did you gravitate oh. toward something? Oh, yeah, no. Howard Shore was, was a, a huge one. And obviously John Williams. Um, I feel like your, your two main answers like for like composers, if you're a musical theater composer, you listen to Sondheim. If you're a film composer, you listen to John Williams. Like those are kind of your like staples. Um, but yeah, no. And even when I was like watching movies, though, I would like pay more attention to the soundtrack often and like mm. what the soundtrack was doing. Um, as a kid, I, I did kind of gravitate towards a lot of those like big orchestral things though, um, like Howard Shore. I, I listened to all three of those Lord of the Rings albums on repeat. Um, all of the Harry Potters, I listened to all of those soundtracks. Um, oh, what other ones did I have? I can't remember. Oh, uh, um, Danny Elfman as well was a huge oh, one. Wow, of course. A lot of Danny Elfman. Um, everything from Spider-Man to like Sleepy Hollow. It was a lot of scores like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Also, that makes a lot of sense. Just knowing your music and mm-hmm. what you like in music, yeah. these these influences from childhood, they, they fall in line. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, there's another thing that you had said in your initial oh yeah about um like the the experience of crossing genres over Mm -hmm. um was that just a thought you had like what if or did it come from the the limitation side of what you knew and what you played versus what you wanted to then know and be playing as well um i I think a lot of it was um, kind of like those combinations of genres was like being able to pick that out in other things that I was hearing mm-hmm. um, and say, okay, cool. Other people are doing this. And it wasn't necessarily always the genres that then I would start crossing, but like hearing, so like going back to Phantom of the Opera, hearing something that was very much inspired, like something that was inspired by more like classic horror um, and like a soundtrack wise, um, with and like this like cathedral kind of like organ but then with 80s rock uh which i didn't have a vocabulary for at the time when i was obviously i didn't know what 80s rock was um but um being able to say oh these things mike would go to church and listen to church music and it's like okay cool so i can hear how this is influenced by that so mm-hmm. i have this but then i have this this rock stuff on top of that with like these guitars um, and then kind of listening to movie soundtracks where they were also mixing styles, it then became like, oh, okay, so I can mix styles like that too. So I could take, um, or, or uh, another person that I have to kind of credit with this is Christina Aguilera with the Back to Basics album, which was a lot of pop music combined wow. with the, the dreaded jazz and swing. Um, Look at that design. <laughs> yeah, but um, w- was another place where it's like, okay, cool. You can take these different styles of music and you can like cross them and like take this aspect from one and this aspect from another. Like this drum beat, this uh, the way that like 
this is orchestrated and then like add this style of singing on top of it yeah. um, and create something super cool. Interesting, yeah. That's cool that you picked up on that as a kid. I, I don't know that that really occurred to me until much, much later on that that's really what was happening. But um, I love hearing that perspective. <laughs> you make a good point about Christina Aguilera too. Like there's so much now where I'm looking back at music that I heard as a kid. I'm like, oh, if only I had known then what I know now. <laughs> Or have yeah. been able to dissect it in the way that I can, you know? Or again, like Simple Plan um, with uh, like having all of this like pop punk music, but then having Untitled on the end of um, that album that was a piano ballad with like um, these like strings over top of it. It was like, oh, okay. So you can take this like pop punk sound and like the way that someone sings this and also add these orchestral elements to it. Um, with like a music video also that like just was visually stunning and like matched every part of that which was cool yeah, yeah. um so i i, I do want to talk a little bit about your process in how you approach writing styles outside your comfort zone and i thought yeah. maybe it would be fun to use the framing device of uh <clears throat> um the jazz song from the cohort yeah. uh so, so which song challenge was this? Uh, this was character establishment and um, yield character establishment. <laughs> yeah, and um, I remember looking at the list of um, options of like books that we were given to like write an establishing song for a character, um, and me being drawn to a couple of them, and uh, my writing partner really being drawn to one of them. Um, and which it was, was like, okay, Gatsby. which was Gatsby. Yes. Um, and I was like, okay, cool, cool. Let's do it. This is fine. We had a conversation about it. We we're like, okay, cool. What are kind of like the, the style ideas? Where are we going character wise? How do we make this happen? And it was like, okay, cool. And Jordan started writing some really, really cool lyrics with it. Some really fun lyrics. Uh, shout out to it. Jordan Gambolski. Yes. Just wonderful, wonderful lyrics. Um, and like getting lyrics like that is always, I, I enjoy, it's, it's like a gift. You're being given something that's like nice and fun to write to. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool. Now I get to just play around. Yeah. Um, but uh, knowing that this had to be a, a jazz member because we were writing something for Gatsby, uh, it was A, terrifying. Um, because jazz is very much a style that I, I'm not ever comfortable in. I don't think no matter, and I've, I've, written, I've written jazz things before. That, was, that's, that wasn't my first time writing anything about jazz, um, but it's always something that I feel like a flawed deal. Interesting. Um, so it was something that was like that extra like challenge for myself to be like, okay, well, now you have to make that happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of it was finding a way in to, to jazz and into that kind of style. We had said, okay, cool. We want to set this at a party, um, this song at a party. So it was, uh, this character of Nick being like, okay, cool. I'm now seeing all this and watching this stuff at like a crazy party because Nick wouldn't be someone who like saying this big huge like jazzy number but 
we were imagining this like at the top of the show. So it was like, it needs to be something that will impress and be fun. Um, right. So, so we're talking big twenties inspired, like early styles of jazz music. Yes. Um, and this is my, uh, my like little cheat thing that I did. Um, yes. It's not, it's not early twenties. Um, I, there were a couple of elements in there that were like, okay, cool. This is going to take some of the, elements of early 20s but one of the things that i think we as a uh, society do is that we remember things incorrectly um mandela effect yeah, yeah and so uh I, I we remember jazz music in the 1920s uh or like people's like idea of what like the 1920s jazz sounds like does not come often from early jazz music um so much of it comes from like swing um and like the 30s and 40s and it's like nope this is not technically from the 20s so um that was the first kind of like cheat thing that i did there was um took some things that were from the the collective consciousness's remembrance of the 20s as opposed to strictly actual 20s Um, which is i'm gonna throw out there a valid and b smart yeah (laughs) Because if that is how our collective consciousness thinks about 20s music, then yeah, mm-hmm. why not? Absolutely. Um, but then the other thing that I did, um, so me personally, I'm very comfortable writing pop rock and pop punk music. Um, that is like where I comfortably sit. It, yeah, you're um, hella good at it. So. Oh, thank you. It, it, is, it is just what um, makes sense to me in terms of musical theater writing. Um, I've spent a lot of time doing it. Um, on is a lot of that. So then the other thing that I did was approach writing that song. Like I was writing a pop punk song, mm-hmm. um, but under the lens of if I was writing a pop punk song that postmodern jukebox was writing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so it was this weird roundabout way of saying, okay, I'm going to not specifically try to write jazz music but how would i write jazz music how scott bradley would write jazz music or like an arrangement of a a, a current pop rock song um Interesting. and so it was that opens, that opens uh, a whole world of flexibility that is very smart please continue oh yeah no so like that was that was the kind of the entire way that i went about that was um because it's a, a genre that I'm not comfortable in, it is saying, well, what is a, a genre that I am comfortable in? And what are examples of them taking that genre and turning it into the genre that I need to yeah. um, So then it was, um, I wasn't writing the song specifically as a pop rock song. Obviously, I didn't go through like writing this, like it was like some 41, but um, I was kind of like using that uh that route in. Um I'm trying to think of uh which ones were really helpful. Um there uh they do a, a, a version of hit 'em up style that was super helpful. Okay. Um because it was taking that and like layering on a lot of like very nineteen twenties things, which super cool. If you haven't listened to it, awesome. I'm not it is an awesome rendition of that song. And like listening to it, I'm sure you would be like, oh, I can hear how you did this now, Aaron. That's 
that's my trick with you, my, my magic trick with you. Yeah. That's that's very cool. I, I do also want to throw out there though that like you do have to have a basic understanding of the genre that you're writing in, even in order to find that way in. And I think it's a very cool way in that you found, but I just want to make sure that you're not selling yourself short, that you don't know things about writing jazz, because you do. Like, I, I saw yeah. the music that you presented to us, uh, and that was also mm -hmm. a, a rewrite aside, uh, uh, song count as well, so I got to see both versions. And like, what you were doing in terms of the chord structures, the way they fall in the hands, the uh, the jumping left hand, uh, swing, uh, the types of chords of what the progression sounded like. You, you have a clear understanding of what jazz music sounds like. So yeah, don't tell yourself it, short on that side. It's it, uh, yeah, I will not say it's it's not that I am not um, it's not that I do not have knowledge about jazz music. Um, but it is something that is a, this is not my, my comfort zone, mm -hmm. um, yeah. which I think happens with, with everyone. I, I mean, you're singers specifically, like it's a lot of like, okay, cool. Like I, I sing classical music, but I have to sing this like pop song. What are the ways that I can, like, what are the sounds in classical music that like I can translate or like, this is how I do a melismatic run. Now then can I turn that into a riff and that idea? And so it's like taking yeah. the, the skills that you know, knowing that this is how it relates to another style, and then yeah, absolutely. Kind of like, and like as a vocal coach, that resonates highly with me. That idea of really helping yeah. people take what they already do and know well, and then translate that into the next thing. Um, yeah, yeah, finding that way in. Yeah, because now I'm thinking about. So King's Legacy, my, my Anne Boleyn musical, has has some uh, English Renaissance inspired music in it. And yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking back through. I was like, "What?" Because I wrote a madrigal for that for that piece. It's a uh, a three part Thomas Morley style madrigal, and like I know it's not one hundred percent accurate as a madrigal, but yeah. does any anyone in the audience care? No. Um, but I wanted to evoke time and place, but also it's serving a plot function as well. And I, I don't even remember what my way in was. Maybe it was just listening to a lot of Morley. Maybe that's what inspired mm -hmm. me to, to write the thing. But it's, it's a great point that like having your knowledge base from what you do well, knowing these other things, and then finding what is your trigger point to make that happen for yourself that style that thing that's outside your comfort zone is probably the the, the way that most people do yeah i mean like during that entire course um on all of those songs that was literally my my way of approaching every song was finding finding music that i was like okay cool this is in the style of what i'm wanting to do um the the last song that i did with um with amy with amy andrews um was, shout out to Amy, uh, shout out to Amy um, who's again giving just the, this wonderful gift of these like very fun, like funny lyrics, um, yeah. and trying to write an '80s rock song out of that. Um, it was a comedy song for those of you who don't know. Oh, yes. Um, so uh, writing like an '80s rock song, I was then just sitting there for like two weeks listening to 
80s rock. And it, it also helped that I was I was music directing Mamma Mia at the time. So I was already living in like a very uh, period kind of mindset. But um, listening to a lot of 80s rock specifically, um, I listened to a lot of Journey, obviously, as kind of that music ended up delineating. But um, was... Uh, or or uh the the one that i wrote with kate the the groundhog the groundhog song um i listened to a lot of like 70s disco and so it was like these are things that i don't necessarily like sit comfortably in but like let me sit there and kind of like get this sound in my ear and like listen to multiple uh like examples of kind of the style that you're wanting to do and finding the things that are similar between all of them and saying, okay, cool. So this is how I how I make something that sounds like this style, even if the, the rest of it isn't actually that style, as long as you have those checkpoints in there, yes. Um, yes. you can really mess up the style within that as much as you want to. So like you were saying with King's Legacy, you have a couple of checkpoints for like magical in there. And it's like, okay, cool. If I've ticked these boxes off, then I can do whatever else I want to with it to, to make it serve the purpose that I need. Right, because we're not trying to to recreate the actual thing. We're trying to bring the flavors to the purpose of what it is we're trying to write. Um, yeah, yeah, and and you were so successful with with the seventies disco, with the eighties rock ballad about bread, um, but also uh, you wrote a, a piratey sounding uh, charm song as well, which came out great. Like. You're you can so I'm gonna say easily because from where I'm standing, it does seem easy. I know it's not easy process wise, but you can so easily just slot yourselves into the, these these different types of styles and and do them in a way that sounds just so um, successful first and foremost, but also totally hits on the goal that you had for the piece, which. That that's the key thing, and I, I find that personally very difficult to do when writing outside of my comfort zone. Is like make sure that I don't get wrapped up in the side of like I feel like a fraud, and then missing the mark completely on what it is I'm trying to do. Yeah, no, that's very fair. I um I I, I think that is a, a whole lot of practice, um, but also just a lot of it too is a lot of just um. I, I have a lot of people who will ask, like, what's your favorite style of music? And I have a really hard time answering the question mm -hmm. um, because I think an important thing is just listening to all genres of music. Because it, you think about it, even in like a, a genre of music, there's going to be songs that you don't like. So it's, it's hard to say that this is the genre that I like the most because there's sort of songs that you don't like and there are going to be songs in another, in another genre that you really do like. Yeah. Um, so um, kind of like having a, a wide net of music to listen to, I think really does benefit and finding things that speak to you in all of these different genres really does, does benefit. Um, yeah. yeah. I know like um, an, another, uh, not to give another weird example, but um, when I was in, uh, when I was in high school, uh, there was, uh, I, I was in the Allstate Honors Choir in Illinois. Heck yeah. 2007 if uh, if anyone was there hi um so uh so the the women's choir song that they were supposed to be singing um 
was what it was called. The yeah. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, they sang this uh, rendition of Homeland. Um, okay. This the song is like Homeland, the country. And it is it is from hosts the planets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was cool listening to that and saying, oh, here is a a cool choral rendition of the song that could so easily become a pop song as well. The way that this entire thing was structured, if the entire thing comes from Holst, comes from like Holst the planets. Um, and I spent a long time in college on the planets and um, kind of like listening to how those things, uh, how like that music um, kind of like successfully depicts all of these different kind of like ideas and styles. Um, we played in like Tuba Euphony Ensemble played Mars. And so obviously that one is classic. Very, yeah. It's like very reminiscent of the, the Imperial March. And it is, mm-hmm. you hear how that inspires that. Um, and so this one entire suite of music could go so many different directions yeah. and you can play with style that way. And so I think I was fortunate in being uh, exposed to music like that and exposed to um, how you can shift and change musical styles Yeah, yeah. with the same bass material. Yeah, these are excellent, excellent points. Ha. Huh. These are wonderful nuggets of wisdom, my friend. I, I mean, especially the idea of just immersing yourself in things that are of the style you're trying to write or, or remind us collectively of a style that you're trying to write in. That mm-hmm. and then even bringing up the idea of a planet's suite and and it which is fully threaded together. It doesn't sound like it is disjointed in any way, shape, or form, but it, it does uh, lend itself to becoming something else uh, within each of the planets. Um, that's very cool. I, I, I hope our audience took away some some good thoughts there. And another like fun uh, like an exercise for me that I do that like Odyssey has gotten me work before. Um, I've had multiple jobs um, writing scoring for like one was for like kind of a spoof um, commercial for like a Quidditch movie um, yes. that I had some friends doing, and then another one uh, was again writing like a Harry Potter inspired like John Williams. Um, suite that uh, a friend needed for uh, another web series That's cool. and so it became like okay cool how do i write something that sounds like this without being this right. and how do i and so like mimicking a style and like kind of the idea of fake it till you make it but the, yeah. the thing is if you can if you can fake it quote unquote you're technically doing it and True. so yeah you just have to say like oh i'm not actually faking this i'm actually just writing something that is inspired by this and then by doing that you learn the ins and outs very yeah. easily yeah it's like what you said before about parody as a way in as well mm-hmm. um or or feeling like you're parodying until you're not which yeah yeah i, I think that's another great piece of, of wisdom um you see I, I knew you'd be the right person to have have a problem <laughs> like this with this is great uh but i do see what time it is and so we should oh, yeah. probably uh, do our, our wrap-up questions here. Oh, yeah. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. These are, uh, I think, shorter <laughs> answer questions. Sorry, than, I, will, than I will stay short, sorry. <laughs> All right. 
There are three of them. Here's the first one. Yeah. What's your favorite non-musical theater writing activity? Um, I, um, ooh. Honestly, I've gotten into playing The Sims from the from the uh, pandemic. Um, the Sims is kind of fun. It's another form of creation and like kind of creating people's lives. So, yeah. which is just fun. Yeah, it's like it's like you're still writing but doing it in a completely different yeah. format. That's also, cool. I'll say I'll say D and D, obviously, but like you know, shout out to Michael Raddy. Um, <laughs> Get out of here! <laughs> That's a view who would yeah. like to know. Idea yeah. of a campaign that Aaron plays in, yeah. um, which is delightful. One of my favorite activities for sure. Uh, which is also just storytelling. Yeah, I it's, mean, again, it's more improv and scripted stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, we're we're starting a D and D podcast. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Is there a story, a Bruin, that you have not begun to write, but that you think you need to? Um, so I have one that I have been trying to find a way into for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um that I like try not to try not to share with too too many people. Um, but it is it is one that I think it. is oh yeah no, no. It, but yeah no it is one that I think is a lot of fun that is uh, has the potential honestly has the potential to do a lot of what I was just saying because it, it involves I've had to sit down and listen to a lot of like specifically a lot of cathedral music and a lot of um, uh, a lot of organ I think we've talked about this before um, I think we have. But yeah, uh, and so listening to a lot of like, um, like I, I learned some Latin to to work on this. Uh, so then I learned how to like translate some things in Latin. So then I could have like Latin chanting and like music um, that I can layer on top of other styles of music. Like it, I like it. Yeah. I want it. The world wants That's it. The world big, needs it. Uh, sorry for being so vague, but yes, it's a yeah. Excellent. Oh. oh, did you have something else? Oh, no, 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 that was it. I was just laughing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Last, last uh, question. And this comes from my brother-in-law, so uh, shout out to Brendan Clitch. Thank you for this wonderful question. Uh, what's something that you love or are proud of that you don't get to talk about often? Ooh. I, um, good question. Yeah, that's a difficult question. Um, something that I so something that I love that I don't get to talk about often. Love or are proud uh, of or, or are proud of. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thing is, I, I talk a lot, um, and I will talk a whole lot about things that I love um, or that I'm. I, I, I would say things that I'm proud of. I, I'm someone who does not talk a whole lot about, um, honestly, about festivals and about putting shows up in festivals and kind of like what that takes. Um, mm -hmm. I will say that the, um, the, the process of doing a festival and kind of like the, I'm proud of the fact that I've like been able to do so many of them mm -hmm. um, and like kind of have found my way through 
that circuit so many times, um, wow. which is Impressive. A, an exhausting, exhausting feat to do. Um, yeah. If anyone has done it, you know exactly what, and like, you know, you've done it. Um, they are a lot of work, but um, it's also a niche topic that like most people don't really want to hear about Never, because like I, I think they do uh, I'm sitting here thinking like, yeah. I'm gonna have to have you back to talk about festivals <laughs> but I, I think I, I think the audience is going to be very interested in that topic specifically yeah it's it's a in, in my personal life there's not a lot of people who uh who have wanted to have conversations about like festivals and that that topic we'll say okay um that's so that's why I don't talk about it uh I don't talk about that as much it was also a very sly way to get yourself back on the interview. Also, so, I'm trying so. to come back here, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be very happy to have you back. Uh, and then just a bonus question. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, interact with you on the interwebs? Um, honestly, the, the best way to find me or contact me or follow me is Instagram. That's the one I use the most. And uh, my Instagram is at Aaron M. Kruger, it's A-A-R-O-N-M-K-R-U-E-G-E-R, um, as in like the horror movie villain Kruger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll put that Instagram handle in the uh, the description of the video. Oh. As well. so yeah. People can talk for you. Find it anywhere else, or, or is that the main place? That's the main place. I, I have a, a TikTok that I don't really use. I have a Facebook that I don't really use. Uh, Instagram is the one that I really use. I'm, I'm off Twitter, so yeah. I technically have a Twitter name to read. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you, A, taking the time, but B, also taking the risk of being the first interviewed guest on the series. And it was a wonderful conversation. I so appreciate you and all of your thoughts. Oh, thank you, of course. And I thank you for having me. I'm honored that I got to do it. And so, uh, honestly, so thank you. Well, uh, no, yeah. I mean, you just seem to like the right ask. So thank you for, for being in here. And thank you to all of you for watching um, today's first episode. Will there be more? Yes, I hope so. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> I had a yeah. lot of fun. Um, and... For those of you watching, if you did enjoy this content, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe if you're not subscribed. Um, but otherwise, you can you know where to find me. All the stuff's in the description below. And Aaron's handle will be in the description below. And uh, we'll do more of these soon. So uh, thank you all. Uh, cheers, everyone. And until uh, next time. Bye. Thank you all for being here with me today. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Musical Theater Writer Guy, available wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate and review this show as it really helps others to discover what you already know. And please do share this show far and wide so we may all become an even closer musical theater community.